Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and tonight I have with me five members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hey there. I have Kev. Good truck. I have Rob. <laughs> Howdy. Because he's changed seats normally he's set. I have <laughs> Scott. Hey. And I have Mr. Spence. Hi Carl. And uh, tonight we are going to be discussing, we're going to kind of keep, uh, what? If there's a fire call, someone's sitting out. Yeah, it ain't me. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's yeah. 16. Yeah. Sorry, we're just trying to work out if there's a call. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, podcast people. Sorry. Uh, I'm not sorry. It's going to be one of those episodes. It is going to be one of those. Scott and Ash have to fight it out because, you know, one officer. Oh, there you go. One truck. This episode is called This Week in Training, but really it's just kind of a mix of us talking about everything. We're talking about our training that we did this week. I think we should talk about Spencer's topic. Yeah. What was your topic? Well, I don't think it's topic to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we could say screw you topic. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but, Would that be worthwhile? You gotta realize there's like there's only so much you can talk about in the fire industry. It really is. There isn't that much. No, no. We, can talk, we can keep talking. I mean, we can keep going on about stuff. You know, you seem to keep coming back and listening, which is great. We love it. <laughs> New we love doing it. We're here anyway. <laughs> but this week we're mainly going to be talking about um, some of our calls we had this week, um, some of our training that we did this week. And uh, as well as our uh, recruitment stuff that we um, we recently did with our fitness tests and things like that that we're doing, because um, we had a gentleman who was pretty shocked that uh, as a volunteer department we've just brought in a fitness test. So we want to kind of talk a little bit about that as well. So first, uh, as always, we have some news, and I think Kev, you got it this week, ain't you? Yep. Yeah, so- Kev. Yeah. So out of Manitoba, there's a we have a news article here about how Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries is joining a uh, hotel in suing a bunch of volunteer firefighters over a hotel blaze. So what had happened, as per the lawsuit documents, is that there was a. Um, arson behind the behind the hotel some recycling and stuff was laid out there and someone <coughs> lit it on fire the department came put it out and supposedly one of the firefighters had directed the hotel to disable their fire alarm and turn off their sprinkler system are they looking at him for the arson <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm no detective <laughs> <laughs> and then after that um, they left the firefighters left the scene and then the blaze rekindled and burned down the hotel oh dear so <coughs> the lottery commission's upset because they had a bunch of video lottery terminals in there and of course the hotel owner's upset because he had a hotel there <laughs> <laughs> And, this uh, isn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Oh, so yeah, the town <laughs> the town is saying this is absolutely ridiculous, and they're gonna fight a tooth and nail and well, discuss, I guess. Because that's crazy. I mean, the fact mm. that you know, <clears throat> it, I think this this liability thing has gone too far. I think like it, it doesn't matter that you turned up to help people. It's just like oh well, this happened, and now we're gonna sue you. Well. Does your insurance not cover that? That you feel like now you need to turn around and you need to attack a volunteer fire department in order to reclaim what your your insurance should do? I was wondering why, turn the, why they turn the stuff off. Yeah. Uh, is that a reasonable reaction? Because um, it's a bit old. It, it's the other thing is it, when you turn, um, like we had that apartment building a couple months ago. It wasn't a fire, but the, the, a line broke and it flooded. Um, but the sprinklers were no longer working. So they had to have fire, like unofficial fire wardens on the floor. In case there was a fire, so I'm assuming they would have to also have that. So that's kind of throws it back to the hotel. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was a hundred and five year old off. building, so I don't know if that played into it or or what. But you would think if they're sprinklers. I was going to say, then how yeah. good is a hundred and five year old sprinkler system? Uh, <laughs> just retrofit, yeah. yeah, like you know what I mean. That's yeah. So the insurance job to me. I don't know. What? London fog? What? <laughs> um, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. In my opinion, anyway. Hmm. Well, the whole turning the sprinklers and fire alarms off. It does seem a bit yeah, odd. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit reason old. for it. Maybe something got damaged? Maybe the, maybe the alarm just, panel got ma- damaged outside? Just during the turn off? fire? Yeah, maybe we don't know the whole story. Well, we don't. Yeah, we definitely don't. Yeah. <laughs> Let's I just say st- this article does not have the whole story in it. That's for sure. I read a story about a uh, a flamethrower starting a fire in a sex. We really don't need the full story. There. <laughs> yeah, we've been there. Let's the Maybe one. pictures and video. <laughs> in other news, apparently you can't use. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the video that we posted, but the um, the one with the goats that can they can uh, they're using goats to fight wildfire. Which is just genius, but we're sat here, we're sat here recording, and a and a guy called Jeff Bitman. Hey Jeff. Hey Jeff. Hi Jeff. Hey. Um, <laughs> we said, went, I've been doing it all wrong. I've been working with jackasses to fight fire." He <laughs> was hilarious. And not Jeff, out of his department. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Um, hilarious though. Uh, well, you're going to come apply here, Jeff. <laughs> you get booted out of your department. And speaking of which, we're going to roll over into this next next segment, which is going to be talking a little bit about um, our recruitment stuff. So we recently just went a through segue. a recruitment a drive. That's a great segue. Um, and uh, we had, uh, I think, six people. Seven, actually. Seven? So you had seven people that um, applied. Um, we started running our recruitment in uh, February twice a year. I think we t- turned it to do we not once or twice if we needed it. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Because I think for what we do now, I think it's a good good reasoning behind it, and it's a good way to do it. Yeah, originally it was well. <clears throat> let's go all the way back. Mm. Maybe not all the way back because I wasn't here all the way. <laughs> but all of us in here were hired in a method where it was just you'd, you'd get hired. Um, just as you apply. So you apply, and if there was an opening, they would call you for that opening. You do an interview of sorts, depending on who was on the on the selection team. Um, it would be a short interview or it might be a long interview. And then, like I said, all of us would get hired, and you come on, and then you just get kind of thrown into the mix. 
Um, wasn't the best for training-wise, I felt. Because um, you could get thrown in the mix on a night where everyone's doing live fire. So either A, you sit out and watch, or B, you get a mask thrown on your face and go in. Um, the challenge with, as a training officer, was uh, I was never sure who knew what. And it was fairly evident some nights, like you'd, uh, you know, a guy would be on the truck and, and I'd be like, go hit the hydrant. And they wouldn't, I don't know how to hit the hydrant because they hadn't, because normally, I mean, once you guys know how to hit the hydrant, we don't concentrate on hitting the hydrant again as a main practice. Mm-hmm. It's more of a practiced thing that's mixed into other practices. So, you know, we're never, we're probably never going to go back and hit a hydrant like it's day one ever again. It's always just like, someone go hit that hydrant because everyone should know how to. So there's a real problem there, I felt. Um, so then, uh, after some discussion, we decided to do a um, make a hiring. I, I wanted once a year, because I felt that's all we really needed. Um, and then we came out with twice a year, which is okay. But now it's kind of come to twice a year if needed. So it's once a year for sure, because that's just attrition rate. Um, twice a year, possibly. And what we do now is we hire... Yeah, three is the best number because it's it's really it's what's in the back end of a, one of our trucks is three people so it's really good because it, it covers our attack team size it covers um, like all the, basically all the stuff we do is te- it's kind of in threes a lot of a lot of stuff we do anyways so we've been hiring groups of three um, so that's where we're at right now and we do uh, like a recruit program now so when the people show up their first day. I can tell you the first four weeks, it's the first day you learn PPE, SCBA. And then you take the fire manual home next week. Um, you do somewhat of a written test, and then we kind of test you on it by putting you on the truck for the next section. So the next section is we go hit a hydrant. So the the guys have to put on their PPE, SCBA, get on the truck. Oh, sorry, PPE first, get on the truck. Then they have to put their SCBA on while we drive to the... Um, to the hydrant before we hit it. We haven't talked about hitting it yet, but we basically layer it. I know some departments, um, they don't put their their packs on while they're driving. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. Like we still do our, we still do that when we drive, which I don't know. I, I, it's, it's a good, it's definitely way quicker when we get there. I know safety level, some people are worried about that, but I think it's still definitely valid. Yeah, um, that's right. I mean, everyone's going to do things differently. Yeah. It, when Every, you're trying like, to yeah. make change, it's tough to kind of just get everything changed at once. Yeah. Um, so then we layer it. So we go. Then we go hydrant, and then after that, we learn how to do the hydrant. The next week, we do uh, nozzles, and then we do venting, and we kind of carry it. So it's almost like they're learning the progression of a fire, and then eventually, after uh, four or five, uh, about five or six weeks, then we go into the burn building. We do like a cold start and do some basic burn building stuff and. And then they kind of get put back in the mix with the rest of the crew, and then over time they learn all the rest of the techniques. Yeah. And I, I find, like, now comparing it to the guys that we, because we've done this, this is our third cycle. We've done two. This is the third one coming yeah. up. We've done two full cycles of this before, and I find those guys are, they seem more prepared when they come to a fire. To me, I don't know. Than the guys did before. Guys. Yeah. Than I, than I felt, and then, I, like, I, I think I've yeah. said this before, I, I literally learned how to put an SCB on when I was <laughs> driving to a fire call. Like, the guy next to me was teaching me how to put an SCV on. Yeah, don't know what so. you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I think a couple of us had that experience. I didn't, yeah. luckily. Mm-hmm. I was in one of the beginning phases, even though I came in late in the year. Well, I always made sure, so after that experience happened to me, I always tried to make sure I was there the night somebody started mm-hmm. and taught them how to put the SCB on the first night, which which meant me staying, like, two hours later. Yeah. Um, probably missed you. Um, and a lot of times it used to be like, hey, this guy started the night. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> now he's next thing he's here, so... And I think that's one of the biggest changes, just making sure, because you've got your cycle now of what you're starting them on, so they know what they're doing when other seasons start. So it's good for them to have that base information and knowledge level at the beginning of the year, and then as the year progresses, obviously, they can then get moved into gen pop, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, get the rest of us start all kind of working together and learning them and them learning us and learning the other tactics to go with that as well. Whereas before, like I, I came in, came in in like November I think it was no it was just before skip before raffle like, yeah, yeah just before raffle so yeah it was it's that yeah, so that's not a good time to come in it's no. a terrible time to come in yeah it's the worst that's why fall is really tough yeah <laughs> and actually I, and I would argue that point with the selection guys I said don't hire anybody right now and they're like well no it's good because it's it's all about teamwork because yeah during raffle and the Christmas season we do a lot of teamwork building team building stuff but the problem is you can't really build a guy's teamwork if you don't really know how he acts <laughs> with all the other gear and stuff mm-hmm. on. So he might be great on the, and the, and then he get, becomes part of the family. But then you put him, and eventually once it warms up a little bit, we start putting him on the fire ground. Maybe he's a total dud. Yeah. And then you're like, <sighs> great on the social. He's got a bad back. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Or some other broken appendix. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's good to change you mate. And then, so let's talk a little bit about the fitness test. Now, is it the same as what we run when we do a seminar? No, we tra- uh, we changed it a bit. We've added a couple of things to it. Yeah. Um, basically, well, first one of the major things we did was we added everybody on air. Mm-hmm. So, so, do you want to do you want to run through it there, Ash, or what? Yeah, sure. So, <clears throat> what what we do. We have a, uh, you start on air, so that's something that we haven't done before. Uh, We actually, when we first looked into this, we thought we would have them run the first portion of the course uh, with their PPE on, with SCBA on, but not in a mask yet. And then we were going to pause, give them 30 seconds, we would help them put the mask on and then progress. So it, it was going to simulate a bit of a... Sorry, uh, maybe step back a bit and explain the overall, like the the simulated call. Right. Yeah. Well, what this is. That's where he's going to get to. Skip to the end. What What this is for is it's supposed to be a snapshot of what most fire calls c- can be. So. Um, I guess the, the course layout is you start at the base of some stairs. Uh, I think it's like fif- 15, 15, feet, set. 15 steps. Um, you have what we're doing now. We're in full SCBA on air. Uh, you have an apartment pack um, bundled up at the yeah, bottom one of the roll stairs. Two and a half. Sorry? One roll of two and a half. Yeah, it's a, si- a, a single roll of two and a half. Uh, your time starts the moment you grab the roll. So you, you grab that, toss it over your shoulder, carry it, you know, have any way you want go up the stairs you can skip stairs you can go as fast as you can up the stairs drop it at the top we have a uh, donut roll two and a half at the base 
or like o- over the ledge mezzi, mezzi. Um, on a rope that you then have to pull up. Uh, so you're you know back and forth overhand, get this uh, two and a half up over top of the railing on the mezzanine. Drop that, hit every stair on the way down. Once you get to the base, uh, we would take a hard left, head over, and we have uh, three sets of uh, hose. So you have a two and a half inch, inch and a half, and a forestry hose, which you would have to couple each as you go. So two and a half, kneel down, couple, inch and a half, couple, the forestry, couple. Get up from there, uh, go to the roof ladder. The roof ladder. So uh, you put the roof ladder against. Deploy the uh, hooks. Yeah, that's right. So with the uh, w- with the hooks, you got to pull those out, um, foot it up against. We had just had a garbage can uh, that that they could um, aim towards, so it gave them a spot to foot it. Uh, throw it up onto the mezzanine with the hooks engaged. Uh, go over to the back of a truck. Grab a seventy pound seventy sandbag. pound. Oh yeah, seventy pound sandbag. Rip rip over. It was like. 20 steps or so to what we call the Big Joe. It's our um, door breaching simulator. Uh, took about five to seven decent hits to uh, move this, the uh, simulator from one side to the other. From that point, they would run over to the uh, charged inch and a half, drag it. We said 75, 75, well, sem- yeah. 75 feet. Uh, spray a uh, uh, basketball off of a cone so like they didn't just have to spray water they actually had to have a bit of aim to it run back grab a 170 uh, we, we use the uh, we use a smaller dummy on this one we used a one, 125 I think. yeah we used a 125 oh, 125 we have like a family of dummies so mm-hmm. we use the middle the middle we use the, like the, we have a third uh, about 30 of those yeah we use a middle dummy that's all the last family jackasses yeah. <laughs> so you would do uh like a rescue carry, um, was it fifty feet 50 out? Fifty feet out, fifty feet back. Is so you. Um, was it rescue carry or rescue drag? Or a drag. It was a drag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One of the somebody somebody did try to <laughs> to do the old fireman carry. Yeah. That was a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Did he did. He did carry the last little bit. Yeah, but, I'd say the last twenty feet. He yeah. talked toss him over his shoulder. Yeah. I was getting really excited there listening to you describe that. I wanted to cheer you on. I can see you right there. Yeah. I'm really excited, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, so then time, time stops once the dummy's back. Once across, the dummy's back across the line. Yeah. So what we did previously, um, or what we were testing, is halfway through... Uh, when were we going to do it? Before the... We're so after it, the we're going to do it as you grab the... Um, the sandbag. Sandbag. And right. my, my thought was, um, especially because we're kind of in, in this province, we're divided in, fire service is kind of divided up uh, in a few different ways. There's like the full-time guys, then there's a full service, what they call the full service, which is basically guys, volunteers that are trained to 1001 standards, and they have some hazmat and stuff. And then there's like interior and exterior. So a lot of the volunteer guys are exterior only. We are not that, we are interior. So we will still go inside, but some of our older members are exterior members right now. So my thought was, well, we'll do we'll do some of we'll do the first stuff that Ash just described because it's kind of exterior work. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about it, like you're carrying a hose to a place, so that like the apartment pack. I know technically you'd probably be on air because you're going inside, but mm-hmm. you're carrying a hose, you're lifting something, you're going over your coupling hose. That can all be done exterior. You're raising a ladder, all exterior work. 
Then when you go over and grab the sandbag, the sandbag is actually supposed to simulate carrying the fan. The only reason why we don't want to be carrying the fan because we don't want to drop to the ground and mm-hmm. broken. So uh, the sandbag is supposed to simulate the fan. So we figure by the time you start getting the fan, now you're going to be going in near an IDLH environment. So that's when we were think- talking about putting the mask on. Obviously, with new people that never seen touched a mask before, we were going to give it that buffer zone. But even the first time we ran it, I ran it first, and it was a little bit of a challenge because I was trying to put my mask on and doing something. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to work because then it slow, the heart rate slowed down, everything kind of, and it wasn't really effective. Mm-hmm. So because that, that was supposed to, now we we're going to go into the interior work, fan movement, breaching, hose movement, dummy drag. So we just went in. Let's do everything on, on yeah, air. straight on air, like you would be coming off the back of a truck anyway. It makes sense anyway. Yeah. If you're gonna grab a fan and get that close, mm-hmm. you should have air on anyway. Yeah, so it ended up yeah. it ended up being and I, I almost find on air is easier. I mean in my mind, like when I'm doing it, I can and I also can pace myself with my breath. Well that's what I was gonna say. Being on air you hear that <laughs> No, I think yeah. it's like, oh I I really gotta slow that breath down, so you're a bit more uh, what would you call it? Mindful of it, mm. yeah. So you and, you can really hear it. So. And some some of it, I believe. Well, I know why we do it at a seminar with no air. Mm. Well, one reason right. is because we don't want to keep it refilling mm. air Absolutely. like cylinders for for two days straight. And barf, barf is another. And barf, barf. Well, yeah, people wear. Yeah. You know, yeah, no one wears a mask in the in the ours. Yeah. Right so. Yeah, I think uh, being on being on air for them too. I mean. I know I have, and I'm sure a lot of people in here have too, is there's been those moments, even during a training session, where I felt claustrophobic in my own mask. I get that a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And every now and again, you just, I don't know what it is. It's not all the time by far, but there's like twice. Yeah, there's been Mm -hmm. twice where I've been like, I've got to get this thing off my face. And it was in training sessions that both times that it happened Mm -hmm. to me, and it was like, I need to get out, I need to get this off me. And I don't know what it was, but something just ticked in the brain, and it was poking me, and I was like, I don't like this. So for somebody doing that portion of a a whole session through the workout, through the fitness piece, and have that on, it really kind of, you know, puts you through your paces, knowing that you've got to control your breathing, knowing that you're now on air. It's a different kind of feeling. That's one thing the chief wanted. He said, I want to see them on air at some point um, whether it's the whole time or at some point because he wanted to see how people react because it is it is something that we've um, dealt with in the past we've brought guys in and we've you know the minute we put them on on air they're like they, they go into panic mode so it's like let's see if they do that early yeah yeah it's not a normal thing it's uncomfortable yeah for most people yeah yeah absolutely get used to it yeah Completely agree. Especially some of the older packs, I think. That was actually the only times it happened to me was with those older, the older packs that we had. Yeah. Click over the nose, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the G ones I find are completely fine, but yeah. both times I fit, it's almost like a restriction of air, like I wasn't getting enough. And then mm-hmm. that made me think about it being on my face and being kind of in the bubble. And then we were in the burn building and it was a light, so there was smoke, so it was like, well, I gotta keep it on. Yeah. Right? So it was like, well, what do I do now, right? And I'm supposed to be doing a, we were doing a uh, one of the patient rescue trainings at the time, so we were removing the patient, and I was in the building with JP, and it was just like I gotta try and get this thing out, but like I gotta take my mask off, I was like, I gotta get out of here, like, I gotta get this thing out, I gotta get this thing out the window now, you know what I mean? Like it was just, it put way too much pressure on it just to get out, so I could get the hell out of the building. Yeah. If when, it's at all possible, uh, <coughs> close your eyes. Yeah. Like if you're if you're actually doing something, focus on that. That's uh-huh. gonna calm you down a little bit. But if you're if you're given the opportunity to spaz out away your mask, um, man, just close your eyes. Helps you relax. 
Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about it before. Yeah. Well, it been good. Yeah, because I've done that in structure fires before. I think I've said that I closed my eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on, on a side note, in jujitsu, I close my eyes all the time because it's like they don't, you don't need to see. Like, mm-hmm. Really, you're doing stuff, and you're you know, same as firefighting. You're feeling around. You're doing stuff. You can't see anyways. <laughs> so you're yeah. just you're just given an extra sense that's not even needed. Yeah. I've noticed after you said that to me, I thought back about it, and I know the new G ones. That first, like when you start to initiate the breath, that is a lot. It's a lot easier. To, to get that air flowing and I found myself in the exact same position and I know you don't want to just crack open your vent or whatever you call it go into by, you know, bypass going to bypass uh, but if you're ever in that position and I found myself there before as well like you just I don't know if you're bagged or if it's you know you just get this weird feeling of, I go into by, the old bypass there a bit and um, it's now flowing free so it's not like you're not having to pull that breath in uh, I did that for 10 seconds and I was calmed right back down I call it the Ellen Monroe I just call it that just now because <laughs> <laughs> of the skirt yeah because yeah. it's blowing your face yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that or uh, <laughs> four other places mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can dig it yeah. my summer's yeah, breeze we we'll put a hashtag next to it. Yeah. Oh, you have to. Pull the Maryland Monroe. Yeah. 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 So that was kind of the, the basics <laughs> of what um, what the guys did for the, the some of the new recruit programs. Um, I know that we had discussed it previously with somebody, and they just they were a little bit shocked, as we had said, that we were even doing it as a volunteer department. Mm-hmm. Uh, even some of our members when yeah. we first brought it up. Was, <clears throat> which is crazy, because we run this annually so everybody in the department well i air quote everybody most people in the department most active members i'll say we we put through um everybody in this room everybody everybody has to everybody has to if if they're if they're going to be an an active firefighter i'm I'm thinking there's a few of the old old boys that don't go through they're not interior ops firefighters so anybody that's going to be doing the training and going to calls in SCBA, they have to go through this. So I was shocked when I saw the uproar. Well, well what are we going to do now? Oh, maybe I'm out of here. I'm like, no, guys, settle down. Like, we all do this. The why why would we yeah, have the skies literally not falling? Why would we want to bring people on that can't do this? It's like basic. Yeah. I think I said in our interviews to somebody, I'm like, it's not that we're expecting you to run a marathon, but we expect you to be able to walk it in your turnout gear. Like, don't run. Just get the job done. You should be able to have stamina. Like, Scott said it's like a diesel truck. Yeah, yeah that's great. Right. <laughs> Calling us diesels. Yeah, we're a bunch, bunch not, of diesels, right? We're not right? My, my <laughs> you worried engine stuff? No, you had no bikes. No, that's really interesting. My comparison was... We're all like, especially I mean, volunteers, fire department. We're all diesels mm-hmm. because we'll keep going. Like we, we feed ourselves with shit <laughs> for the most part. I mean, most of us aren't like we're not like uh, high marathon runners. Athletes. You know, we're not a bunch of vegans <laughs> that are eating like granola and stuff. We're we what well, we eat. And no offense to vegans. And whatever. Yeah. So we're not we're not all like hypersensitive about our health and fitness. 
sort of we're kind of like a, a diesel engine in that way. You just kind of it just keeps going. Whereas a lot of the people think we're you should be like a Porsche, like you know you're putting this really good thing in, you're really high performance. But when something goes wrong with a Porsche, it's screwed. Mm-hmm. Whereas the diesel just keep chugging along, yeah, right? We're not F one supercars. Old Cummins diesel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to point out that I stopped in at Seven Eleven for a snack on my way here tonight. I got an apple. Yeah, you 7-Eleven? Yeah. 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 Well, 7-Eleven apple for the win. I'm assuming it's an apple. It's it looks like, like an apple kind of tastes like an apple. It's still a Slurpee. Rob, good job. Yeah, I was going to say along the lines of the fit, the fitness stuff is with what we've got coming down the line eventually is with knowing what our baselines are having some sort of ID or card on our gear or records so that we know what we are at resting, what we are at some sort of peak performance, you want to call it that, so that if something does happen on a scene, we know, or we get checked out by medical, that they know what our numbers, our regular numbers are after we've been working. So it's good to, at least all our active current guys too, to get them run through that so we get a a baseline of where their numbers should be. Yeah, baseline so under stress. Yeah. Numbers. Yeah. Where we get um, blood type patches on our coats. <laughs> Actually, I don't think blood, uh, who's it mentioned that to you? Someone said blood type is not a big deal thing anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, especially like in like you're in a modern environment. I, I could see in like a military environment they would because you're kind of like out in the middle of nowhere, but here it's like they can literally like test you <laughs> like that, supposedly. I don't know. One of the, I brought it up the other day and someone said, yeah, you don't need that. So, it's, <laughs> it's not as big a deal as it was. I know that because um, I was saying to Kev, like we're we're looking at probably recording um, a run through of of this um, mm-hmm. of this routine that we're we're talking about, mm-hmm. and uh, I said I I can't wait to do it because I want to use that as my baseline for <clears throat> what I'm going to be like in three months because I'm going to keep training the way I've been training and I want to check again in three months how how well I've progressed from where I am now. So we'll get that video up and you can kind of see what what we're doing there. And it's all downstairs, we just do it right now. <laughs> yeah, you just show it in there. I'm ready. It's all live. So we're yeah. just gonna pause and I'm in there. I'm ready, yeah. We'll be back, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll get a video up for that one. Uh, it, I, think it's a, I think it's a good idea. And anyone who doesn't have it, um, you know, we understand why you don't. It's taken I don't know how long for it to become a thing for us to get into a into an actual um, recruitment program for sure. Uh, and even then, some of our guys were not impressed with it, even though they weren't running it. <laughs> it's like we can't mm-hmm. put recruits through that. It's like, well, the the reality of the situation is that the candidates actually they're not even recruits yet. Oh, I guess yeah, yeah. candidates. Yeah, candidate. Yeah. The reality of the situation is those things need to be. Done. You need to have bare base levels to do these things on the fire grind. We do. You think you think it's tough when you're running it in the fire hall. Try doing it when it's an active scene, and your heart's already been racing. By the time you go out of bed at 3 a.m., you've got all this stuff now. You've got it on a truck. Your adrenaline's pumping. The radio's still going. Mm-hmm. You're all still trying to talk about what's going on, and there's a blazing fire in front of you when you arrive. Mm-hmm. If you can't do it in the hall, you ain't gonna perform on the grind. We we had talked even on some of the smallest calls, mm-hmm. which is one we we actually talk about in maybe in a few minutes. Um, even like a car fire, you're doing most of that stuff. I mean, you're probably not. I mean, you could be. We we did um, pulling a body out of a vehicle, 
Um, you're probably not going to be doing that every, every time, yeah. but you may have to. Um, but we talked about, you know, um, like we had a car fire a couple weeks ago. Um, we the pulled, of, yeah, the night of one of the, one of the, one of the interviews, actually. Um, we, uh, you know, we pulled altogether 300 feet, yeah, 300 feet of inch and a half. Mm-hmm. Used it, went up and down some slope because the car was down a slope. Mm-hmm. Um, had to um, breach the, um, not a door, it was a, the hood. The hood. With the yeah. uh, the bar, so that's mm-hmm. all that's that forceful entry stuff. Um, we had to hit a hydrant, so the other unit hit the hydrant. And so the, but like two hundred fifty feet. Of yeah, now we're half. yeah now we're not running the two hundred fifty feet of of inch and a half from from the hydrant. Where obviously the truck is deploying it for us, but <clears throat> this stuff doesn't wrap itself up by itself. There's no magical pixie that comes down and puts our gear away. Just, so even uh, they're busy pumping. <clears throat> yeah. We should, we should really hire somebody. <laughs> but because um, yeah, at the end of the fire, you put it all out, and you're like, yeah, adrenaline. Now the adrenaline's worn off. You're like, oh crap, we got to put all this stuff away. Mm-hmm. So now you got to roll up 350 hose, You got to put away all this stuff. Got to make sure everything's back in order. And then you drive back to the hall, and then you got to start again. You got to wash your um, SCBAs, fill the cylinders, recheck the trucks. Nice. So it's, a, it's an ongoing physical thing. <clears throat> But it's not a fast bursting. Again, it's a diesel. It's a chugging along. <laughs> Just keep going. Yeah, <coughs> yeah it's. Uh, I think it's important. I think this is a really good turn for for us to do, and uh, I think as we as we start to make it something that is more is more there for everyone, I think we're all going to start getting better at it for sure. And I don't think any any progress in this direction is bad progress. This is progress. Um, I can see for some departments it's going to be a challenge to get anything like this off the ground and uh, we were having a discussion with me and Kev were having a discussion with one gentleman on one of the pages and all we said was you know like just keep trying like ultimately one day it will be needed and hopefully it's not too late that you know you turn around and you recruited the one of the captain's best friends who turns out is on the back seat with you you go down and he's not strong enough to pull you out that's a problem you know and hopefully it's not too late by the time your department realizes that fitness is one of the the key factors in all of this and we're not saying we're perfect but we're definitely getting better in my opinion i said to somebody when i was talking about this as well so we were in a really good position to get some good candidates this past go through because we had seven people initially asked to join if you have two people and you have two positions it's still good to put them through all of the testing. There doesn't need to be a pass-fail aside from completion. So as long as they can get through it, at least they're still proving that they can get through it in a timely manner. I mean, if they take some 20 minutes, that's bad. But uh, you can fix being out of shape. Like, you can give them a time frame, you can help them, you can coach, whatever, whether they're willing to or not. You can't fix poor attitude. So people that are, I don't know, you know, like if if somebody performs slowly in the fitness, (laughs) yes, Spencer, (laughs) go on. If they perform slowly, you can work with that. You you know, you can build up your fitness. I hate you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Am I wrong though? I don't think you can be wrong with that. I mean. Ultimately, yeah. if 
You always have to have the right attitude with this business regardless. Yeah. Because, it, I mean, there's there's things that we get told to do now that sometimes we don't necessarily agree with. But on the fire end, there ain't time to argue. No. you just got to do what you've been told. You can speak up and you can have your point of view, but sometimes on the fire end isn't the best place to do it. Scott? Um, one of the things I was looking at was uh, should we have a cutoff time for this fitness desk? A cutoff time? Cutoff time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like every agency like you know police fire like full-time fire uh, police they have a physical fitness test and there's mm-hmm. a hard cutoff time if you yep. don't make the hard cutoff time you're, yeah, well, you're, you're cut off <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um you know and there was this one you know i remember i remember running a police thing once and, they, and one guy came in one second after the cutoff time and someone's like, oh, just give it to him and, and the guy recruiting was like if he's one second late for a gunfight do you want that guy as part of your Department? Oh, no, never mind. Um, now, we never put a cutoff time in this. We did put some points on. And um, because we wanted to try, like, w- there, w- there has to be some incentive to go hard. And there also, we want to obviously get, like, the candidates have to be ranked somehow. So we put a point system on it. Um, so after a certain amount of time, yeah, you're going to get a zero. You're not disqualified. The only way you're going to get disqualified, we discussed, was if you couldn't actually complete the final t- all the tasks. Because to me, that's like we can't have you. Like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. if you if you have to, if you can't do one of the things, you can't you can't be with us. Because literally, all that stuff was part of the first eight weeks mm-hmm. of recruit training. All that stuff we had laid out. So if you can't do something, you're, you're out. But um, you should be able to do it in a timely manner, right? Robin has candies. Whenever you hear like a screaming in the background, it is always Rob. It's always or his dad. Or his yeah. dad. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of them. It's one of them. It's a family sure. thing. It is. Yeah. The last episode was a big interrupt. We interrupt. We interrupt. It was an empty bottle. Yeah. There it is. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Those guys in the old movies called the. Foley act. Foley act, yeah. 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 Breaking celery and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think Bob was trying to make a fire sound. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, that's where the fitness uh, qualification test came from and how it kind of came about. And, and I think it was really good because it does, it does take that um, bias out. It just says, here it is. This is the stuff that the fire doesn't care who you are. The fire doesn't care what size you are. Lives at breeze, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it knows you, but that's back, The old backdrop. God damn it. <laughs> so it doesn't care that we're volunteers. It doesn't care that stuff. This is all fire stuff. All that stuff out there. So. Yeah. 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 Sweet. Yeah. So <clears throat> let us know, actually. I'd be interested to know if there's other fire departments out there, which um, volunteer departments that have uh, fitness tests we'd like to hear about. We'd like to hear what you guys are doing. You know, I mean, it's not the CPAP by any stretch. Or that was a CPAP. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, exactly my point. It ain't that. It ain't that. But that's that machine that people with. That's what people wear when they can't breathe. Yeah, it's not one of those. <laughs> so, but we'd like to know. We'd like to know, you know, if you guys are doing it. So, I like to know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, we're just going to keep moving along. <laughs> Are you talking about a police officer's physical ability test? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sounded <laughs> <laughs> different to me. So, uh, we talked a little bit about the car fire that we had the other day. 
Um, but let's talk a little bit about the training um, that we had on Thursday. Wow. <laughs> oh, whereas sorry, are you looking at me? Are you looking at me? We train. <laughs> so, 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 we, just so, like so I think last, I think last week or the week, no, two, week two weeks before, ago. it was the week before with, uh, with uh, Bob there, we were talking about bringing the officers in more for the training portions because before they were not necessarily with the attack teams or inside the building calling some of the shots or at least relaying some of those shots. So this week in training, yeah. we actually did that and we implemented hey, hey, that hey, right yeah so maybe let's talk a little bit how that went and uh yeah the responses that we got from that so yeah i had taken uh one or half the department um, myself and the other uh training section people and then uh ash and spencer took the other half mm-hmm. um we did search we did building search on our side. We did uh, and uh, ventilation on your side. I don't. Do you just do positive attack or you did hydraulic as well? We did both. Yeah. Okay. So on my side of the uh, training ground. So our training ground. I think we've talked about it before. We actually have two. We actually are lucky enough to have two burn buildings. Um, both kind of small, but they're like. I don't think you need one giant burn building if you can have two small ones there. Mm-hmm. Set up for certain ways. And definitely suits our needs. So what we did is we. Um, I took the search the search team. Um, we went over, we actually went over kind of a, you know, we didn't go over a typical right left hand search. We, we went over more of that orientated search, um, where you're going down a hallway. It's almost like a reverse VIS where we're sending one, um, we're sending the, uh, so that they go start doing a regular search. Like you're going left-handed. Oh, you're running into a door. Now, you know, you're down a hallway. Okay. Well, this, this room branches off. It possibly is a bedroom. So what we do is the, uh, the, we had it so that way the, because what what was going on was the captains were kind of just were, they were kind of set up as almost like a rover down up and down the line to make sure everyone's safe. So the um, the backup person who normally carries a, the thermal camera with us, they poked their head in. They did a quick search of the room, like a quick like a hasty search, and then they, then we send in we actually send in the nozzle operator without the nozzle. Like the nozzle operator handed off the nozzle to the uh, backup person because the tick's usually strapped to them. That's the only reason why the tick person didn't go in. And they went in and did more of a hands-on detailed search. Now, there was some question from the from our crew, like, why wouldn't you just take a thermal camera in? I said, well, if you had the extra one, yes. We were kind of going for, not worst case, because worst case would be, you have no thermal camera. It went down. But we were going for, like, second worst case. The other thermal camera was left. It's being used by the other part of the crew. Um, so we went in. This is, how we, this is how we did it. So basically, they went in, closed the door behind them. So it was essentially a VIS. So you, you do the search of the room. You've already know there's no fire in there because they got the thermal cameras checked, and um, you know that nothing's in there. So do a quick check. If the guy doesn't pop out in 30 seconds, yeah, the nozzle operator's gonna go see what was going on in there. So what their job, the nozzle operator, they they hang out in the hallway, and they uh, they have the thermal camera. They look down the hallway, and they uh, they watch for fire advancement, and then they kind of I was I was calling like a safe zone or a hard point. Like they hold that point while while the guy does a search, then they pop back out carry on down the hallway and it goes on like that what was unique this time was what bob was talking about last time we're, we're trying to incorporate the officers more in there so it started off with not really we're like okay let's let's just start some of these scenarios and see where the officers see where it takes us so pretty quickly we realized the officers um we're gonna be doing a lot of communication which is one thing we used to have the search team kind of do on its own which tied up a lot of um their searching was done with communicating and 
often what was forgot was one of the things that was forgot. We, we noticed it was one of the things that was forgotten the most because you're doing searches, you're checking things, you're trying to run the nozzle, you're trying to do a thermal camera. Well, meanwhile, you're doing all that, you're forgetting to radio command. But now the officer's there. So that's his job, their job, is to run, the, run that. And they can also go up and down the line, making sure the backup, the door person's there. You know, they can sound the floor, they can check for all, all this stuff that maybe the other guys aren't, aren't hitting because they have too much other things on their mind. So that's what we did. We did, a, I want to say, four or five cycles of that. And it, progressed, and it was, got better every time the officers were in there. We got a, a lot of good feedback from the crew overall. Yeah, a few of the guys said that it was one of the best training they've been on in a very long time. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, we haven't really trained much this last couple months because we've been doing damn cold. Well, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> different things, yeah, but that's, that's different. Mm-hmm. So I think um, uh, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a really good thing that we're finally getting those guys in there. I don't think a third guy um, who's making those calls inside as well is necessarily a bad thing. Um, and getting them in the group, you know, to, to do that through. Because, yeah, I mean, you could say, well, you know, like two people can do those things. Yeah, two people can. But you know what can do it better? Probably three. So why it, not just do that anyway, right? And one thing I really was trying to stress, because I, I noticed I was doing a little bit, was starting to either I was starting to talk too much on the radio or, or you know, you start to try to tell them, like, make sure you check that door for heat. It's like, okay, <laughs> I, don't need to, I don't need to tell these guys what they're doing. They know their job. I just have to step back. Step back, look around, make a call. Okay, so I just kind of hung back and made sure I, if I didn't see them check the door for heat, then I'd be like, whoa, stop. Let's check the door for heat. Um, one thing we were getting, like we always get, as soon as the door was open on the exterior, because we were treating it like a real fire, right? We had smoke and everything going. As soon as we uh, opened the door, guys were charging in. So that's one thing we were like, hey, well, that's one thing we noticed the officer had to do a lot was like, hey, guys, this way. Read them. Let's read the smoke. smoke. Let's read the, uh, read the fire conditions before we go in there. And it's, that's ongoing. It just way we are we just want to charge in there yeah yeah, yeah. so that was on one side so ash how did you find it went on on your end i thought it was really good so we did uh ventilation down on the bottom there we uh we had uh, <coughs> steve was with us uh as one of the other captains and so he went through the first three rotations so he basically had uh his truck of guys that went that went through we were doing uh a positive pressure attack and then we mixed in a little hydraulic ventilation um at the end of each rotation there and uh ours was it's a pretty short push once you go through that center section it's a quick right uh and then the burn burn rooms right on your right there so uh the officers weren't doing a lot other than uh i mean they we were in a mask once the uh interior attack team went in um the officer would go in with them a bit uh, kind of go over the shoulder once they got to the room of the fire uh, was just kind of overseeing everything uh, when I went in I'd pop back out to the door guy let him know okay like we're at we're at the fire room because uh, the door guy could then be giving information out like I wasn't using radios as much down on ours it was more just verbal in and out um, I mean it was short it was quick but I thought it went really, really well. Steve seemed to really enjoy it, and he was uh, Steve's one of the guys that's been around for quite some time, and he's from the old school, but he's he seems like he's really buying into the new. Like he's he's definitely bought into the training, uh, and he was like, yeah, it it went great. So, let's go. One thing with the radio, um, I noticed we or I didn't notice we, we we try to do what I've been trying to do is do both now. It's like we try to do radio and. Mm. 
that communication. Because inevitably, we talked about this before, the radio is going to fail. So if you don't know, you can go down the line and tell somebody what's going on. That, that door control person is going to know what's going on. Um, and if you don't, or maybe hand signals, communications, like, you know, you feel the hose. <coughs> we tell the door control guy to always put their hand on the um, on the hose so they can feel it moving. They can also feel when the, the recoil of the hose when it's being used. Um, so we, we try those other communication forms if we didn't bring a radio. Like, because sometimes when training, we just, we don't, we're like, nope, don't turn, use the radio tonight. Let's, let's mm-hmm. do it by, by, by um, verbal. Yeah, use them when, when they work, use it when it's able, but what do you do when they're not? So... You were down on that one. You were down on the ventilation cab, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Did you find it went? Did you? Did was, that was good. Yeah, Steve was in with you. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we did. Uh, did our rotations through that, and it was good. It was really, uh, I think, the biggest takeaway because we couldn't get much smoke going and stuff like that, so it wasn't like complete blackout or anything. Yeah. But you could see. Um, sitting outside, I saw the most. Because I could see the effect of the, the positive pressure. So I can see the smoke getting pushed out. I, I was watching after my rotations. I was sitting by the burn room uh, watching. And I was actually <coughs> taking some video too, trying to catch like the moment. You can hear the fan turning on and then you kind of watch and you can see almost when they put the fan on. Mm-hmm. There wasn't... The sea cans aren't like perfectly sealed. No. So mm-hmm. it's not quite like a, a structure. But you could still see the movement. The flames would start pushing out a bit more. The smoke would start moving a bit more. It was more like the hydraulic vents were the, the most dramatic. But that's, it, that's the visible one. Yeah. That, that looks yeah. cool. Right? Well, because the room's full of steam by then. So. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Our guys had really good uh, fan protocol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They made their ventilation before putting the yep. fan in. And nobody was What's rushing that for that? <coughs> WTF. WTF. Mm-hmm. Window and fan. Which we talked yeah. about. Yeah, that's great. We did, yeah. But uh, the other thing was everybody waited that that moment before charging in mm-hmm. uh, so that the fan could do its job. Give it a minute, let it react. Yeah. And it, I think that's one thing I'd like to talk about is that, is that there's, there's always video, and there was video recently of uh, <coughs> ventilation gone wrong. And then, as soon, of course, as soon as uh, anything with a fan goes wrong, that's why like, I don't use fans. That's why we don't use fans. That's why we still have chopped roofs. It's like, okay, great. And I can cite a hundred videos where guys have fallen through roofs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I can think of two videos, maybe three, where the fan has went poorly. Um, so we have to stress this <laughs> again. If you're gonna use a fan, nobody's inside when the fan gets turned on. Everybody's outside. The fan gets turned on, then you go in. I mean, the person could be in there, but. No firefighters are inside when the fan gets turned on, because conditions can change. You follow that cushion of air in, and then another cushion of air follows you in. That's how I always look at it as. I know that's not actually how it's working, but you're following that fresh air in. That's how you have to think of it. The fresh air is like your shield. You're running behind it. You don't sit in there and then someone pushes a bunch of fresh air in on you because that is where that's when people have the problems. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that's where uh, on our cycle too, our very first cycle. I went to, um, we were about to go in, or no, we were about to apply the fan, and that's when I kind of turned around, like, oh, hey, we got to check with the officer, like, hey, is that, is our flow path open, like, is the window been breached on the other side, and so he went around, checked, yep, we're good to go for fans, so, Mm -hmm. confirmed, make sure everything's clear to go. Yeah, it's super important. Which which is, like, actually saying the push was short, but the whole point of that practice was all that fan protocol. Mm -hmm. I think even there Kev just check in with the officer again like perfect 
perfect thing to do because again you could have went in there was no flow path you've now just pushed a whole bunch of air through a door and it's not going anywhere yeah you got that pressure burning compartment it's a bigger problem right now so yeah just check make sure that you're you're looking at those things before you get in those situations make sure you got that i don't know how wtf i don't know how it is i wasn't there um do you notice during the training that guys are moving pretty quickly they're getting that fan set and then like 10 seconds later you got a hose or a nozzle guy going in to to advance rather than waiting that extra 10 20 seconds to make sure that everything's cleared up because i know we've done practices in the past with ventilation where we throw the fan on and then everybody just advances in rather than that buffer yeah that buffer time I've definitely seen that in the past. We we definitely spoke at length before uh, starting our rotations this past week for sure about just that, uh, saying you know the the time that's required before you advance manpower is key. So I mean we had a couple really good rotations this past week where that wasn't an issue at all. But I, I do remember, I mean like Scott says or whatever, we're a bunch of guys that wanted to get in there right away. So. Uh, it was super important to, to really hammer that home. And it was good. It's cool. I think on my side of the uh, thing, there's a few training tips I could present. Um, well, training and, and there being fire ground tips. Um, one thing is the little... We were started. We actually started using the attic ladder, which I heard you guys were pulling out last week in Rich. Or did you and I talk about this? Maybe you guys didn't. Yeah, because okay, um, normally when we try to extricate a patient from a ground floor, what we've been using lately... For training wise, is uh, is like a roof ladder, and it's been quite become quite cumbersome and quite long to pull around. And so I don't know who was talking about it the last couple weeks ago. So I was like, well, let's pull the attic ladder out. So we got the attic ladder out, and it was awesome. Like one of the guys were just kind of, <laughs> I guess, it, lack of a better term, the, one of the rit team guys. Even though there wasn't enough crew to make a rit team, he was just walking around. And every time they'd call, you know, Charlie's side of the building, we have a patient. We'd go to the Charlie's side of the building, open the wind, reach the window, and then. Uh, we'd slide that attic ladder in. The only thing, you don't have quite as much leverage as you would with a roof ladder, but with four of us lifting um, lifting the patient up, it was it was more than enough. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So, you know, maybe you try the attic ladder because it basically becomes an impromptu uh, stretcher and it's way easier to handle than a roof ladder. And I could see it coming off the truck more regularly onto like a rip tarp mm-hmm. or even over, even over the door than a, uh, than a roof ladder because a roof ladder is pretty cumbersome and pretty big. And you know, on our truck, we have to bring it down. Um, it, and if it's uh, if it's a two story building, anyways, those roof ladders should be being yeah, used for other things, not building. not necessarily in case there's a patient. So there was that was one of the training things. Um, the other thing is, we were doing some bump up stuff. So um, we were bumping that, you know, as as we got deeper into the building, or when guys were running into a patient, because we train, we don't go back if we can help it we go out the nearest window. We don't take the patient back through the smoky, shitty environment. If we if we find them in a bedroom, we isolate that room, and then two people start working on that patient trying to get them out the building. So what we were doing is, well, that would leave the officer behind or leave whoever it was at the nozzle by themselves. So we did a quick call for bump up. So we yelled on the line, bump up, and then um, sometimes, it, so we, we, we had trained in the past was sometimes the door, the door guys should be popping up. The only challenge with that is one of the door guys' main responsibility is to know what, who's inside, how much hose is in there, et cetera, et cetera. 
if the door guy is the one that bumps up and leaves and comes up to assist the nozzle man, the the person that takes his spot doesn't know any of that. And I know on practice, a couple guys were trying to relay that information because um, Grant and I, who were, are part of the training section, we were we were kind of quizzing people like, "Who's in there right now? How how far are they in?" So, and then we do it to the the guy that just got bumped up, and he had no idea. So. One thing for training, what we realized would be, it would be more beneficial to actually just have one of the um, outside people that's ready to go. He just goes past the door control guy. Door control guy stays where he is, and they go past, and they get they, they start helping with the nozzle. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on a side note, um, for those that train and are looking for some good smoke, <laughs> uh, the smoke recipe. Oh, uh, smoke recipe. <clears throat> I'm fairly certain there would be some NFPA breaches. But <laughs> what you mean to say is... <laughs> but... Just ignore it. Realistic smoke is always a big challenge. Um, and for years and years and years, um, we've been using this recipe. And I, it was a recipe I learned when I was like 12 years old. <laughs> and it was actually something, because, you know, I used to be on a farm and um, something, something in the old days called the Anarchist Cookbook. <laughs> how to make smoke powder and it's the simplest recipe is sugar and saltpeter and you mix it together sugar and sugar and saltpeter also known as potassium nitrate okay mix it together um, and what it does is, is it because um, potassium nitrate is an oxidizer um, when you light it, it you know it takes a little bit to light once it's lit like a teaspoon would fill up well this room which is well, how big is this room Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, like a, a, uh, yeah, ten by twelve room. I don't know. Whatever it is. Sure. Um, so a teaspoon of that would probably put some pretty good smoke in here. I remember when uh, I first showed Spencer it, we had like a half a cup of it, and we were in this old concession stand. And <laughs> I lit it, and we we're like, "Holy crap!" So we had to belly crawl out because we didn't have anything on. <laughs> we were just like, "Try this." Oh yeah, let's try this. I remember in the old days, this used to work great. So like, every oh. good story starts. Yeah. Um, Oh, and it spits fire. And yeah, it spits fire. So it, it is, um, you have to have it definitely in an area where you're, you know, it's either going to be, we actually use an old barrel that we've cut and we've cut some vent holes in it and we use this old barrel so the uh, stuff doesn't go flying everywhere, but it it still bellows us that smoke. Yeah. So the other day, actually, what I did, I took about a quarter to a third bale of hay, shoved it in the, in one of the barrels and then put the smoke powder on top and lit it. And that, like... I looked over at Grant, who his Grant hadn't seen it in a while, and he's got the, we was totally clear in there, and then he's got these big eyes because all of a sudden the smoke levels dropped down to like just above the floor, and we we're crawling out because we can't find our way out of the burn building without crawling. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, I mean, it is a chemical smoke, so you know, be careful with it. But definitely, always has to be SCBA on, as with any smoky environment. Um, we've never had any ill effects from it <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> So sugar and potassium nitrate. Yeah, yeah. I just like to touch on the uh, attic ladder thing. Yeah. Attic ladder has a, a, a shit ton of pinch points. So if you're going to be using that, just be mindful of that. If you move funny, you're going to be pinching your patients. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. What could you use instead, Spence? Oh, you could use a spine board. Yeah, that's a good idea. Or oh, a yeah. ladder, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get into that? No, you can. Yeah. Well, you've all seen the video. Of us doing that with Scott and Ash and I and Kevin was there. And Kyle was filming it all. It was. It worked really well. And just yeah. so everyone knows as well, like 
that was Scott that we were lifting and he was playing dead weight because yeah, he looks didn't like not, but I am. he did <laughs> not believe really I think at the beginning like I believed, he I always believed everything wouldn't but you you were a little bit <laughs> flat earth don't believe in flat earth you were a little bit <laughs> there was there was some there was some doubt which is you were just like oh, that worked pretty well afterwards like we tested it in that in that video was us lifting for that first time yeah. and it went really well and Scott was completely dead weight I wasn't a dummy well I mean no. it was Scott but I do, I do have to make uh, one point of that. Um, I spoke to Matt, hmm. who's the quasi-developer of this, because he won't admit that he's the developer of it. Um, he said we were actually doing it wrong. <laughs> hey. He says, oh, actually, sorry, Matt never says we do anything wrong, That's which is great about Matt. Matt will just <laughs> well, that's roll a good, it. It's a good way to do it. Yeah, Matt will be like, well, that's another option. That's definitely another option. Mm. Um, he liked the fact it was quicker and that we were on the, the straps of the SCBA. But I did tell him, I said, yeah, we found the only way we can make it work is with the submarine strap for the rip thing. He said, well, that shouldn't be. He's like, we could do it. We were doing it with like regular patients and stuff. So he said, oh, you know, you got to do this and this. And so he had another couple ways to strap the patient on that maybe you didn't see. So he, he's like, oh, yeah. And so I said, okay, well, you're going to have to show us that because I didn't see that because I hadn't seen this thing in action. We should ask Matt nicely if you wouldn't mind coming on and showing us the other way. Yeah, I think, well, we're trying to get him on. For doing some water rescue talks and stuff so. it's funny because actually Rachel um, Rachel reached out and she said that next week I think she's actually going for her white um, her so we should maybe have a chat with Matt see if we can get him on right. that'd be perfect because then yep. uh, we can get him talking about some stuff maybe either just after or just before she does hers right. that'd mm -hmm. be cool so there may be an, an amendment to that video because he said it should work no problem with, uh, with the patient without anything on, without any gear on to do. So. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned yeah. for that. Mm -hmm. One thing on that training, I, I laughed because I, you know, I sent the one guy over to go take the ladder over to assist with the patient. Next day I walk over and the, <laughs> the dummies crumpled in the outside of the building. I was like, what happened here? <laughs> Just fell off the ladder? No. What the guys did, they're like, they just tossed a dummy out. <laughs> so whatever, and our brief, our debrief after that one, I'm like, I'm like, I get it, it's a bag of um, pea gravel, because that's what those dummies have in them. I'm like, I understand, but we are treating them as though they're real people, so let's be more cognizant of, <laughs> of spinals and not just unceremoniously dumping them out the window. <laughs> Throwing them to get rid of dummies. We'll, yeah. Use live yeah, well yeah, and that's what we've yeah. done in the past. We've uh, went to live people and usually it's the person that last dumped the dummy out ends up being the live victim. <laughs> and it's usually in a writ scenario. Or, conversely, it's like, hey, next time that guy's in, let's give him the biggest partner and then he has to drag out his partner. Yeah. yeah. So there's a little bit of a punishment that would go on, but... They learned pretty quick. They were kind of like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and, and to be honest with you, everyone after that was like, hey, watch watch his head, watch his hands. Um, so they were pretty good about that. I mean, that little child dummy, they were just handing out. We were just handing out through the window and one of us, like, baby cradle it out. Yeah. Yeah. Patient care. Patient yeah. care. That's what we're there for. Yeah. yeah. Well, gentlemen, I'm pretty sure we covered, we covered a considerable amount tonight, actually. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. Didn't doesn't seem like a lot, but it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, it's entertaining. She does every week. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> someone <laughs> yeah. We uh, we really appreciate you all listening again, as always. Um, thank you, uh, thank you for following us and sticking with us. Our listens keep going up and up and up, and uh, we uh, we are all to you guys. 
and contrary to what we said at the beginning of the podcast, there is lots of topics to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> we were just joking because tonight we really didn't have much to start with. But we ended up with quite a lot. I think we had a lot to start with. We try to come up with stupid, witty names for our podcast. <laughs> 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 and we're stumped to come up with a funny name. <laughs> not, not a funny name, but... A catchy name? Catchy name. catchy name. But we hope that you learned something from us again this evening. And, uh, yeah, keep listening. And if there are subjects that you want us to talk about, <sighs> if there are things you want to touch on, if you want to come on and have a chat, because, again, we were talking last week about us having the interview stuff starting soon. Uh, we've already got a bunch of people lined up for that. If you want to come on, have a chat with the guys, or, yeah, just give us a subject that you'd like to discuss, then uh, feel free to drop us a message, post on the page. However you want to get to us, we're pretty... We're pretty social guys. You can get to us on the on the Facebooks. We really are quite friendly. Very. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. We really yeah, are. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty approachable. Yeah, well. Oh, me. Come on. <laughs> Whoa. Who <laughs> <laughs> says you? <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Have a nice evening. Good night. Night. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, boys. You want to say good night? <laughs> no, Carl, you've done it for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Carl. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's now Carl's podcast. <laughs> the Firefighter Podcast. <laughs> well, then, good night, everyone. <laughs>